What is up, entrepreneurs and business owners? Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast. We have a super exciting episode for you today. Our guest today, I've been trying to get on this podcast for three years. For over 150 episodes, I've been trying to get her to join us on this podcast. She has finally agreed. She's graced us with her presence today. She's an entrepreneur. She owns tons of rental property, and she's married to who could possibly be the smartest person in this town. Oh, yes, of course. My lovely (laughs) wife, Lauren Brown. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Are you really excited to be here? You just say that. (laughs) I hope you can edit out all my parts. (laughs) You're not going to edit anything. You're going to be great. And I'm so excited you finally agreed to come on the podcast. We also have another first today. We have our first baby in the studio. (laughs) We have Beckett Sullivan Brown joining us today. I am truly holding a baby in my arms as we're recording this podcast. For those of you that didn't know, we had a new little baby boy on June the 4th, and so we are now in the stage where we're recording podcasts with a baby in our arms. (laughs) So this is the podcast where we all learn how to get financially stronger together, and we're going to talk about an awesome way to do that today. Lauren and I, we love rental real estate. We love rental property, Airbnbs. It has financially changed our life over the past three years. It gave us an opportunity for you to step away from your full-time job and career, and we're focused on continuing to grow rental real estate, and we have a blast doing it. So today, we're just going to chat and share some of our experiences and things we've learned through owning real estate together and share a little bit of that of how you can do some of the same things we're doing and just how we found it's an awesome way to have financial freedom and to free up time uh, to do the things you love. So you ready to talk about this today? Let's do it. Let's go. All right. So we both got into the rental real estate game, um, essentially We were looking for ways to have investments that generate money. We were looking at ways to do something together, have some fun together. And really all this started with you playing around on the Realtor app and finding property for us. That's that's right. We have a sick obsession with the Realtor app, and we both look at it every day. We do look at it every single day. (laughs) I highly recommend everybody download the Realtor app if you don't have it on your phone or some version that's similar. It's so awesome. We have maps uh, that show us what pops up for sale. There's alerts, gives you all sorts of detail, gives you estimated values, and then we use, what do you use to rent properties for us for our long-term rentals? Zillow. Oh, yeah, you use Zillow for that. And then it tells you kind of Zillow estimated rental rates and what yes, price. same. Yeah, it can tell you exactly what it the, what they recommend you rent your unit for. So going into this, you had absolutely zero experience in owning real estate, correct? That's right. Sadly, like you're the one who's taught me everything about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> rental real estate and and giving me a budget for what real estate to look for and um, what makes sense financially with like the rentals and um, but yeah so you're the one who kind of guided me through that initially. So when we were first getting into it, when we were first looking, was it something you were nervous about doing or you worried we didn't we wouldn't be able to figure it out or was it something that came pretty natural to you from the start? I think we started small with um, 
our first one, so it wasn't as, as scary. I think now that we're about to open a, an 11-unit one, like if we had started there, I would have been very nervous and terrified because I'm a little nervous and terrified for it already. But, yeah, I think starting small is the key because the first one was very easy to manage and already had a property management company in place, and so it was all kind of laid out for us already. What made you the most excited about having your own property? Was it having cool houses? Was it the location? Was it being able to potentially build something so you step away from your job? What was most exciting to you? I think, yeah, we both love Charleston. And so the fact that our first Airbnb and rental property was in Charleston was a huge, a huge positive because then it's fun to go work on it. It's fun to go see it. You're excited for people to stay in it. It's not somewhere where you're like, don't want people to go there. You want people to experience the town. You want to share Charleston and the experiences and um, they're staying in your house right downtown and you want to make sure they do everything that they can. Um, So I think it's the sharing of the experiences of it all. And then an added benefit is once you realize that um, I had a W-2 job and if all goes well, you can make more in an Airbnb rental than your W-2 job. So then when you're like, I can I can go on vacation or I can go do what I want to do or I can stay home with Beckett, you know, and and manage Airbnbs from home or long-term rentals from home. And it just, it gives you that time and freedom where you get, it got me out of the W-2 job that I would never be able to be home with Beckett now. Yeah, it's crazy because you compared what on – an average week, you worked 50 hours a week. So in a month, you'd work 200 hours. And now you can spend maybe five hours a month and make almost the same thing that a 200-hour month produced. It's crazy. It is crazy. Um, that time, that flexibility. And for us, and, and for all of you out there listening, just kind of update you for us. We we own a few rental properties in Charleston. We have an air, a three-unit or two-unit Airbnb downtown that has different versions of units you can rent or you can buy and rent the whole house. It's a historic house built in the 1890s. Uh, we've got a long-term duplex rental in Charleston. We have another small little cottage house, and then we have a vacation rental on Kiowa. And then here in Athens, We have properties we love here. We're finishing out an 11-unit Airbnb. We have a commercial building downtown. It's a combination of commercial and residential units. We have an Airbnb in it, and then we have a four-bedroom, a three-bedroom, and a two-bedroom. So over the last five years, all this has kind of grown. What started as one property, and we didn't know what the heck we were doing. Here we are with properties scattered across a couple of different states. And absolutely love it. Um, There's pros and cons to each model. I know for me, um, I love the number side of the Airbnb. Um, The Airbnbs we have, they bring in two, sometimes three times as much as we would be able to get from a long-term rental. Now, they require way more work and management and way more expenses. Um, but the revenue side, I mean, the fact that you could bring in two to three times more than you could long-term renting it is huge, but the long-term rentals are really nice because it's out of sight, out of mind. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to do anything with it. Um, we just 
get a direct deposit uh, every month, which is awesome. Well, you don't have to do anything with it. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> come on now. Like it is, how much work do you put in a month? For the I bought a washer and dryer this week. That is true, and that's that's one thing we we want to talk about today. It's not completely hands off. Um, I think you have to go in, and and you've been really good at this and understanding this. Um, when you go into owning rental real estate, you have to go into it with a business mindset. Things are going to break. Things are going to cost money. You're going to have to replace stuff. You're going to have to deal with some phone calls. Um, what's been your experience on how you were able to navigate that and be okay with having to spend, what, $1,500 last week on a washer and dryer? I think the fact that it's disconnected and it's not – you're not – I think it would be a lot harder if it was your personal house that you were renting out or you're doing short-term rental. It's like when you buy a property and you know it's never going to be yours to live in, that it's purely an investment, and then everything you buy to put in it is also just like a means to an end for that, then you don't have that personal connection. If somebody like messes up your couch in your Airbnb, you really don't care. You're just going to go on Wayfair and buy another one, you know, or um, uh, there's nothing you're really emotionally connected to. It's all just on that business side of your mind where you're like, okay, well, I need to buy a new couch. What's my budget for that? I don't want to do too much, you know, and it's not, you're not personally attached to it. That, But I do think the actual real estate structures, like the houses and the villas, um, that is something you should 100% always fall in love with. Like we love every one of our rental properties. So then when you are there on Christmas this past year and Charleston had its first freeze it's had in 25 years and you're crawling around up underneath a 100-year-old house with all the mice and whatever else to insulate pipes, like you don't mind because you love the house that much. I think that's where – it's important to purchase things that you truly love and truly want people to stay there. If it was some little house out in the middle of nowhere, you know, that I didn't really care about, I think I would be miserable. But the fact that we were out there at the holidays going around to all of our rental properties and working over Christmas, like we didn't mind. Yeah, I agree with that. We, we love the houses we have. We love the locations. And I agree. It's, it's so much easier to be excited about working on something or fixing something when you love the property or you love the area or you love the experience it's providing for people. Um, but it is work. It does take time. It's, I mean, it. most of our properties, we have property managers, and we still have to deal with some stuff and spend a little bit of time. But, again, in the grand scheme of things, it's five hours a month instead of 200 hours a month that you're spending after your job. And you just got to be okay. I think there's so many people I've seen – their day or week just gets ruined if they they have to spend a thousand dollars on the rental property or I mean even if the air condition breaks and it's ten grand, like as long as you have that built into your model and your budget, like it's just a business expense. And I think that's the mindset that we found uh, where we can deal with the rental property stuff and it not really impact us on a day to day level of how much things cost or what's happening. As long as we've run our numbers and, and we budgeted for, you know, what the property's going to cost us every year for the next five years. For you, you've at this point experienced rental property and rental property management on the long-term rental, the short-term rental, you know, on villas and condos, on duplexes, Airbnbs, residential, commercial. What do you like the best? What's your favorite of all those different combinations? 
Ooh, good question. What do you, yeah, what do you like the best? What do you have the most fun with? I don't know, actually. I think um, probably the villa at the beach, vacation villa. What's your favorite? I think it's the beach villa, yeah. I really like it. Uh, I like the... Because you feel like you're on vacation when you're working on it, even. Like, yeah. You know, it's like being on a vacation spot. Just I think it's unique because it's on an island, and pretty much everybody that's there is in a good mood because everybody's yeah. on vacation. Like, you're not – people aren't going to work. It's not in a Maybe that's city. what it is. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely... The people we're around when we're there, when we're there, we're, we're vacationing and going to the beach and having fun, um, and everybody else there is kind of doing the same. So everybody's just always in a good mood and – Super easy. That being said, it is the worst one to like find somebody to work on or or find uh, contractors or vendors or things because it's kind of away from the city and away from where you know a lot of companies operate. So it has its challenges, but I do like it the best from an experience standpoint. Um, and huge perk here, and this is another reason we absolutely love rental properties and Airbnbs and vacation rentals, we get to go use it and we get to block out time and we tie different times when people aren't staying there. Like the winter is usually pretty slow. So we're able to block out two or three weeks to go spend December, Thanksgiving and Christmas at the beach and do some cool stuff. And we're typically working on the property. So we get to write it off. <laughs> so we're able to take vacations. We're able to write it off and we're to go have fun doing it and enjoy it while we're there. So we absolutely love it. Um, did you ever think our real estate portfolio would grow so fast? No, I did not. <laughs> Does that scare you a little bit? <laughs> if I didn't um, trust you with it, I, I think that's the benefit of having an accountant husband. There's, there's like pluses and huge minuses of having a accountant husband. <laughs> that is the plus. We're only it's, talking about the pluses today. <laughs> That's another podcast, right? Talk about the minuses. Uh, or not at all. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, no, because I think that's where you do so much. You are very good about doing the due diligence on the front end and making sure, like, okay, if everything goes terribly, can we afford this? Or we always have an option B and C to all of yes. our, like, everything that we – have gotten for Airbnb, we can we know we can monthly rent it or long term rent it because that is a thing with the short term rental is they can change the laws at any time on you. We've gone through that with Charleston. They have very short. They have very very strict short term rental laws. So at any moment, like literally any day, we think like, oh, this is all going to be over soon. But um, but we know that we can long term rent it. We can monthly rent it, or you can ultimately sell it. So as long as I think you're not living so tight where you can't have any other options. I think having other options is really important for anybody buying it. I got a question for you. I'm uh -oh. going to turn it on you. Let's do it. Okay, if somebody gives you, somebody, a genie came down and gave you a million dollars cash, where would you buy a short-term, or would you buy a long-term rental, a short-term rental, a duplex? What would you get? I had a million dollars right now. Cash, million dollars, just to make, just to make money. Okay. Um... What would you spend it on? You can, only, you can only buy one. It's a great question. I would find some sort of vacation beach rental. Um, this really, this kind of goes into a story that completely changed how I approach real estate um, 10 years ago, probably. Um, maybe not even that long, maybe less than that. Um, I 
I owned some rental property in Athens. Um, we started out um, back, I started out back before we were married and before we met, um, buying some rental houses, foreclosures and stuff on the courthouse steps. Had no earthly idea what I was doing, but I kind of chased the deals and bought some starter vinyl side and homes and different things that had good cash flow. It had good rent coming in, but just not in great areas and just all in all, not property that was going to appreciate. And so I learned through that, I think I ended up with 11 houses at one point. And they were all okay, but nothing was real great. And kind of back to that. No, they were not real great. They were not places you wanted to really go work on a house. Or They're not a place places you wanted to go. you're really proud to own houses or property. Um, but money-wise, they were good. Um, but, but through that, I learned invest in locations because it appreciates way faster. Like we could have bought houses kind of back in that normal town, you know, Athens Regional Hospital area back in there for 30000 more than these houses I was buying. And fast forward seven, eight years later, those houses that were selling for one thirty were now worth three fifty, whereas the houses I was buying for ninety were now worth one hundred and twenty. Yeah. And so, just the appreciation was way better in better areas. So, so through that, I learned location matters, not necessarily from monthly rent as much as just appreciation. But what I also like, what changed everything, and I'm getting to your million dollar question. Stick I with, know. Stick with me for a second. <laughs> yeah. um, a friend of ours was looking for a career change, and I recommended become a real estate agent, and he was thinking about that as well, and turned out he went into that as a career change and become a real estate agent. Well, I stumbled on a book one day. It was a used book about real estate. I'm like, I don't buy this for him. And I bought it, and I had it sitting at the house. I just turned it open, and it had a bunch of, like, one-page one quotes on like one page, like it was just quotes per page for like 300 pages on real estate, investing in real estate and selling real estate. And I was flipping through it, just looking and I landed on something and it said, all it said was buy real estate where rich people want to be. And for me, that just like a light bulb went off. I'm like, that's, and I think you remember this. We, we yeah. talked about this. For me, that was like, oh, my God, that makes so much sense. Rich people love spending money. They're always going to have money to spend when things are good, when things are bad. If you buy where people want to be and where rich people want to be, it's always going to be worth a lot of money, and there is no cap. There is no, oh, people here can only afford this much house. And so from that one quote, we went down the path of selling every, we sold every single thing in Athens we owned um, from rental real estate. And we started investing in Charleston and in, in beach rentals and vacation rentals and, and just learned a lot from those early days of kind of stumbling through having some rental property. But so when I, when you asked me the question about a million dollars, I would 100% buy vacation beach rental in places rich people want to be. Because I think in five, seven, ten years, it's going to be worth way more than other similar locations. You could buy nicer or bigger houses for that same million bucks, but if you buy it in places that are the hottest city on the East Coast or the desirable vacation places that people want to be with beautiful water or, or whatever the draw may be, it's going to be worth way more down the road. It's going to always rent because people want to be there. And what I would do is I would take the million dollars, I would find something for probably $3 million, Okay. I would borrow $2 million, and 
like right now, it would probably be something in Charleston, probably on the beach. I would look for something that you could rent on Sullivan's or Isla Palms. I'd probably buy a $3 million rental and I'd borrow $2 million. I'd use the million dollars cash. But here's the deal. Here's the So you wouldn't buy in some up and coming? No. Like go to Beaufort or somewhere like that? No, that's no. gambling. I don't like to gamble with my real estate. So you want to go establish? Long game. I want to buy stuff tried and true. People want to be there. There's already restaurants there. There's already awesome places to hang out and things to do. There's places where people have been going for the last 50 years. That's where I want to invest because for me, it is a long game play. I'm not trying to make a million dollars tomorrow. I'm trying to make $5 million over the next 10 years. So I want to go somewhere where the numbers already work. And this is my recommendation for anybody looking at rental property on any level. Small rental house, duplex, multifamily commercial, the numbers have to work. It has to pay for itself at a bare minimum. Ideally, you have cash flow from the start, but it has to, at the very least, the numbers have to cover the no payment, the taxes, the insurance, any repairs, any expenses, anything like that. So let's take this example we're looking at with a $3 million house. I, I have to make sure the rental income for that house or houses in that area is enough to cover all the expenses and our note payment. So essentially, it's a free house at that point. The tenants or the renters or the vacation rentals, they cover the bank note, they cover all the expenses, and then we're making typically three to six percent return on that, which is called a cap rate, and it's appreciating somewhere between five and ten percent in these good areas. So we're essentially making at that point ten to fifteen percent a year on three million dollars. And so when you get in those situations, that adds up. Ten percent of three million dollars is three hundred thousand dollars a year we're making. And so we're just tremendously growing in net worth and in equity and cash flow at that point. And the awesome thing about it, rent typically goes up 3 to 5% a year. All our rental properties go up every single year in what people pay us. We just, you, you handle this, our duplex in Charleston, we were renting it out. One side of it was renting for 2100 a month. You went up to twenty six hundred a month, and how fast did it? You had like three people in. Oh, we got a uh, lease sign in eighteen hours. Yeah, in eighteen less than twenty four hours, we went up five hundred dollars a month on one side on a long term rental on a duplex, and it, it signed papers in less than twenty four hours. And so again, you have to approach it as a business. Ooh. You have to go up every year in rent. You have to cover the expenses and maintenance it needs for it to be a long-term sustainable property. You got a question? I got another question. Let's do it. Okay. So say someone with all your tax knowledge and all your finance. So if someone wanted to say we, someone wanted to buy an Airbnb that would you wreck and start small buy a house? That's like $150,000, something like that. Okay. Would you recommend always keeping that house and then as they wanted to grow their portfolio or would you flip that house sell that house and then use that money to buy like a three hundred thousand dollar house that's a great question i would never sell a house 
that I felt like was in an area that was continued to appreciate and continue if it had a to Starbucks. go up. Um, exactly. We only, if we there's only, a Whole Foods and a Starbucks. <laughs> we only buy property close to Whole Foods and Starbucks. Um, they spend tens of millions of dollars <laughs> researching areas. So why wouldn't we follow? I mean, they are truly spending millions upon millions of dollars figuring out what are the up-and-coming areas, where the areas will continue to appreciate 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, where are the best places to be. And so we just kind of follow on their coattails and buy rental property in the areas they're popping up or they're looking at popping up. And conveniently, you can buy coffee. And conveniently, you can walk to Starbucks in most cases. <laughs> um, but I would never – I was flipping property in the beginning of my kind of cutting my real estate teeth. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. To buy and sell. I could buy and sell. And in one fell swoop, I could make thousands of dollars. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Like, it's fun. I'm not having to do a whole lot of work. I'm making stuff better. People are excited when they buy it. And I make whatever, 10 grand, 20 grand, whatever it may be for the house. And we've done some spec houses together. And we've done some some really high end six seven hundred thousand dollars spec houses. Um, all of those are awesome, but when you make money one time and you have to risk four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars of your money or bank money or leverage, you know that from a debt standpoint on, on a gamble on a it's called a spec house because it's speculative. There's a buyer out there just going to buy it and pay what you want to get, and so I think it's way more risky. And you're one and done. Like, that's it. And you keep gambling on speculation or you keep getting bigger and bigger and putting more and more money into that. At some point, your hand's going to get caught in the cookie jar. It doesn't take but one bad deal or one bad situation or the economy to change one time and you're kind of screwed. Or as a rental property, the reason I don't like selling is pretty much all real estate goes up in good areas and, and somewhat doubles every, let's say, 10 years. Um, so if it's if it's a hundred fifty thousand dollar house in ten years it's going to be worth three hundred, and in ten years the rent's going to be three times what it is right now, and so it's just going to keep getting better. You probably at that point got a fixed interest rate loan. You've probably paid it down to next to nothing. Um, you've probably taking very little work or effort to have it, and so it's. It's producing cash flow. It's producing numbers. And so you ought to be able to take what you're doing there and use that extra money or that portfolio to go to a bank and be able to buy something else without having to sell it. Um, The beauty of rental property, which when it comes from a lending standpoint in most cases, if you buy it with tenants already in there, it doesn't affect your debt to income or borrowing ability. Or if you buy something and as soon as you rent it, then that rental income offsets the debt so it doesn't affect your income to be able to buy it again. I mean, at this point for us, we're buying properties that there's no way we could afford the note payment just on what we make at our jobs or, you know, through our businesses. But we have tenants in there and they're paying the notes. And so we're able to buy things on a way bigger level than we ever dreamed because the cash flow is working and the numbers are working. And that's how, I mean, for us, we didn't really intend to have this much real estate this fast. We just got into it and found that this is awesome and we love it. And then financially it just creates the most awesome situation ever where you're building long-term equity and wealth and you're making money every month. And so we said, Hey, we love this. Let's, 
figure out how to do more of it. But let's let's kind of start in the beginning for everybody. Um, somebody interested in getting into this without knowing anything. We didn't really know anything. We got into it. Um, let's talk a little bit about how we started. And so we knew we wanted to own rental property. We didn't know where or how or what's a good deal or what's, what's not a good deal. Um, we just started researching and Googling, you know, rental property, what books should we read, what podcasts should we listen to. And then we started, you started looking at the Realtor app every night and, and just learning. I think we narrowed it down to Charleston, and we did that purely because um, we figured out, like, the same price house in Charleston gets way more in rent than Athens. Yep. So then that's where we figured out, like, once we figured that out, then we are like, well, we definitely have to buy a long-term rental in Charleston. So that's, I think, how we initially started it. And, yeah, that's when – I think we looked at the realtor. I looked at the realtor app. I was unhappy at my current job, <laughs> and so when I would get unhappy with it at work, I would look on the realtor app. And then um, you gave me a budget of what we were looking for to where like where it made sense with long term rental. And then yeah, I think one day is when I found that duplex, and that's your love language is duplexes and triplexes. So I knew that. Um, and we actually bought it, had never seen it, and we got it because of COVID. Sight unseen, that's right. That one we bought completely sight unseen. And the tenant in it had COVID at the time, so they couldn't show it. So no one else it. could get in for the showing, and then we were the only ones that were willing to make an offer and not wait the two weeks to see it. Yep. So what, so what we did, we started Googling owning rental property, what we should read, what we should know, what podcast to listen to. You started looking at the realtor app, learning areas, what things sell for, what things rent. You were cross-referencing Zillow, seeing what things rent for. We were looking up what type of expenses you have with rental property. And all this is online. It'll tell you, you can find out what insurance is going to be, what property taxes are, what's an average repair and maintenance on this age house. We just, we done a bunch of Googling and started building out spreadsheets. Then we figured out what the bank would lend us and wh what that needed to look like from a down payment standpoint. And for us, we typically, most of the things we buy, uh, we could put 20% down and, and borrow 80, but that's a little more risky than we want to be. It's it, That's leveraging a little more debt. We're typically in that probably 70-30 range or 60-40. We just want a little more gap in there, um, you know, from a debt to equity standpoint, just to make sure if things happen or get tied or values drop again we've got a we got a plan b a plan c a plan d we could we could always sell it if we needed to and at least pay off the debt in a worst case scenario situation um but once we kind of figure out the numbers you're right i gave you a budget and then you just you would spend i don't know 5 10 15 hours a week looking and then here's i think the key this is the part well it took us over a year it did we looked every to day to find that first one and we made a few offers, and we learned a ton. We made offers, didn't know what the heck we were doing on some. Like we, well, we probably made five offers we, on houses we lost. I, but I think the key for us to really learn in the, the area, like the huge difference maker, is we would find an area we would like, and we would go like walk and jog in that neighborhood like for a weekend or like for, for a week. We'd, we'd go stay in a hotel or we'd go stay somewhere, 
and then we would go to that neighborhood and like walk or jog or ride bikes and like really learn, like look at the houses, look at the neighborhood, look at the people and just get a really good idea of like, is this somewhere we want to own a house or not? Um, and so that's, yeah, that was how we got started. And then, yeah, we were able to be comfortable buying sight unseen because we, we knew the neighborhood. We knew the neighborhood. We knew the houses at that point, and we knew the numbers work. Um, let's say something was drastically wrong, and it was going to cost $15,000 to fix because we didn't see the inside properly. We had that in our budget. We all we already had things built out, and the numbers work, so it wasn't like we were taking a big risk by buying it sight unseen. And that's, that's probably the case with – Half of the properties we own, because we were able to move fast and do some things, we were able to get properties that that other people missed out on. I think that was huge for us. I think, yeah, and I think also the fact of, I feel like everybody, when you go into like any kind of negotiation, they need to lie and say they're an accountant because I feel like that always shuts down the, if you say this is my bottom line, Oh, I'm going to count it. Then people are like, oh, okay, that really is his bottom line. Like they don't, whereas when it's me, I feel like people are like, no, but there's a little bit more. Yeah, I think I think everybody needs to just lie and say they're an accountant when they're negotiating cars, houses, anything like that. <laughs> you do get a different uh, approach and response when people yes, find out what I do for yes. a <laughs> Yeah, they know that you're not going to budge on your number. Yeah. Like it's either leave it or and take we, it or leave it. And we have truly awesome houses. I mean, how hundred houses that were hundreds of thousands of dollars, we lost over $5,000 in negotiation because I wouldn't budge for my number. So yes. there's pros and cons to it. Um, but but once we got into it, I mean, probably the hardest part and the most time-consuming part, which is honestly the funnest part to us, is searching for the properties the and the research and looking. We just love looking and learning and, and oh, I got another question. different areas. But that is, once you get the property, you know, in reality, it gets a lot easier after that. And then it just brings in money. It's awesome. And and so the tax piece, too, for us is huge. So we built up enough money and enough savings to have a down payment on a house. Once we bought that rental house, we, will a- we were able to leverage the amazing tax benefits to owning rental property. Like there's so many advantages on the tax side to owning rental property. We were able to use the depreciation and cost seg studies to write off so much in that first year. It offset a lot of your W-2 income, my business income, and it pretty much would put the down payment back in our pocket from tax savings. And so with the same money, we're able to turn around next year and do it again and save that much on taxes again and turn around and do it again. And so we are in a place right now where we're pretty much offsetting everything we make from a tax perspective and getting our down payments back in our pocket and just doing it again the next year and the next year. And so we're using the same pool of money and then additional money we're making for rent to just keep investing into different rental properties. And and that is something that has truly financially changed our lives and where I feel like we're winning three and four different ways on one property every single time we do anything. And, it, and at this point, it's getting to a level where it's truly like creating a, a place of like freedom and, and financial freedom where we got a little baby boy now and we get to travel and take more time off and go spend time at awesome places. And it's just awesome. All right. What's your question? Shoot. All right. So I feel like the criticism to this is um, 
when people are thinking about buying a house just for rental, I think the criticism will be, well, what about the mortgage rates right now? What about the the how the high cost of um, real estate right now? And what if it all goes down? And so what do you say to that? Do not care. <laughs> I do not care about what happens right now. I don't care about the cost. I don't care about the interest rate. If the numbers work, buy it. This is Even a, with a high interest rate? I don't care about high interest rate. I don't care if it's 7%. There were people making money on rental real estate when the rates were 10%. There were people making money Good on point. rental real estate throughout the last 100 years of our country. There is one thing I can guarantee if it is a good property in a good area, it looks good on a spreadsheet. It is going to go up in value. <laughs> and so, what I tell people is don't get hung up in right now or good deals. And, and this is, you'll hear different things from different people, but for me, I'll overpay $30,000 for a property. If something's 200 and I can get it for, if it's worth 200 and I can get it for 230 and the numbers still work, I will buy it without blinking my eyes because in 10 years, it's going to be worth 450 would I rather have... Well, I think it goes back to buying it in good areas. Good areas, yes. In areas, good areas that's going to appreciate, areas that just are going to continue to grow in value. Yeah. Um, those established areas, not gambling, not transitional. Not um, brand new. Not brand new. Um, we, we like tried and true. But I don't... I don't if the numbers work, if it, pay, if it will at least pay for itself... And, and I like we like the house in the area, we buy it. And because, again, in seven to ten years, it's going to be paid down to where you owe half of what you bought it for. It's going to be worth twice what you paid for it. And it's going to be bringing in thousands of dollars a month in rent. And so there's just no risk. There's no way to lose. I would much rather have a house in ten years worth $450,000 that I owed a hundred grand on bringing in four grand a month rent than not have anything because I got hung up on it being $30,000 overpriced. I'm not saying go out and overpay for stuff. That's where due diligence comes in. That's where spending a six months or a year researching stuff. But if we truly find something we love and we find something where the numbers work, I'm not getting hung up over 30 grand or 10 grand or a 7% rate versus a 4% rate. So does that make sense? Uh-huh. Do you feel that way or you feel different? I feel that way, I think. I think, yeah, I think um, there's definitely been some properties that we didn't buy because we were hesitant. And then looking back, like, you know, if we had paid 10 more grand, we would have that that house or, you know, that we would have that rental property. So, you know, I do think as long as the numbers work, you can't get hung up on the things like that, as long as you know that you have, I think that goes back to buying into buying in cities where houses don't stay on the market very long. That people want to move there. That people are are coming into the city every day. Then you know, if you ever need to get out of it and you need to sell it, you can sell it fast. You're not buying a house in like Madison, Georgia, where like how many people move there? You know, in the middle. Yep. Of, well, I I agree with that. Yes, the difference in. 100 people a day move into a city versus two people a month move into a city. Yeah, so. Whole different ballgame. I think as long as you have an exit strategy and you know you can afford it, you're never going to lose. Do you think everybody should own rental property? 
think so. Really? Yeah. I would say yes. I for know sure. you are. That's it's what... crazy not to own rental property. Oh, I agree. It's the most I financially think... sound, less risky thing you could ever do, in my opinion. <laughs> I think everyone should own rental property. I do not think that owning rental property is for everyone. And the fact of like, I think it does take a certain. You have to know that you are spending this much money and you own this house and then you're giving it a – letting other people live there. So they might break a window. They might um, not tell you that there's a leak. They might – you know, you got to kind of spend that money and then kind of like let it go and let it be with God, you know, kind of a deal. <laughs> because if I, you can't sit there and worry every night that did those girls, there's a hurricane coming. Did those girls think to do this? And like, did they sandbag the back door? You just got to like have home insurance and flood insurance and hope the hurricane doesn't hit Charleston, you know, because I think there's certain personalities that can't do that. Oh, I will say too. And it would be too much stress. But I think that is something that we've been able to do and, and people – are able to do it, and I think everyone should own real estate if you're able to kind of get your mind off of the what could go wrong. That makes sense. I also think you got to shift your mindset into wanting to be an investor as opposed to wanting to spend all your money. Kind of comes back to yeah. In order to build passive income, okay. In order to truly get like rich on passive income and to do things like investing, you have to spend less than you make. And that's something we've done. Uh, we've been very diligent, disciplined at in what we do. I mean, of all the things we own, we own a lot of property now. Our personal house, and it, we love our house, but it's worth less than almost every other thing we own. Oh yeah, <laughs> we have Airbnbs and renters and long-term <laughs> rentals worth way more than our personal. <laughs> so way not. So we've made the sacrifice not to have some massively huge or expensive personal house. Um, because we wanted to use that money to build as an, like, as an investment and passive income, and we wanted to use our lending leverage and ability to own things that make us money instead of something we're going to live in. Not Again, we love our house, and I think everybody should love where they live, and you got to take care of yourself but and your home and your family nice first. Place. But it doesn't have to be the nicest thing you own. It's a, I'd much rather own a much nicer beach house that people pay me for, and I get to go stay at a month a year. So, <laughs> um, so the tools... The tools we use as people are looking like, hey, what all do I need to start researching due diligence? What all tools do y'all use? Um, for us, um, I use an app. It's called Carl's Mortgage Calculator. It's like the most basic thing ever. It calculates monthly payments on mortgages and rates and all these different things and amortization schedules. You use Zillow for renting. We both use the Realtor app for looking at things. We use a simple Excel spreadsheet for running expenses. And what we do, we when we look at a property and we start running numbers, we, we run a three-year model and a five-year and a seven-year model of, I mean, again, it's only probably 10 numbers for each year. We just look at annual numbers, and there's only, probably only 10 things that happen. There's income, and there's about nine expenses of rental property. Um, and then we look at how much we think it's going to grow in value, but we run a what we think is going to happen, we run a best case and we run a worst case scenario. And we have to make sure we're okay with all three scenarios before we move forward with it. And then once we do that, we only, you touched on this earlier, we only like properties that have a plan A, a plan B, and mostly a plan C. 
if the numbers only work for it to be Airbnb, we won't buy it because if something happens, we don't want to have to spend money every month um, for long-term renters to stay there. We we either need to be able to convert it to a, a long-term rental or convert it to a house that people want to live in and we can sell or convert it to a duplex, um, a 30-day rental. So essentially, that's what we look at and how we approach it. And outside of that, is there any other tools you use or anything else we use from a research or due diligence standpoint? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it's I think pretty that's simple. Yeah. I mean, we don't have anything really swankier that we're really paying for. Um, now, once we buy it, um, mostly what we use is some version of Venmo or PayPal for people to pay rent. We want it to be electronic. Um, use Zillow for leases. You do all your leases through Zillow. They're all electronic. Some for free. Zillow does it for yeah, free. Most for tenants we've never even seen or, or met. Um, <laughs> we're huge fans of property managers for the Airbnbs and the vacation rentals. We don't manage those on a day-to-day level. Um, we use a company called Remote Cost Seg. If you go to remotecostseg.com to leverage our tax benefit and uh, to take advantage of all the write-offs you can have from rental property and, and benefits of using accelerated depreciation. And that's really it. Um, for us, we're just constantly looking to buy more and find more properties that we can own and have fun with, make money, save on taxes. It's a win. It's fun looking. It's like it, treasure hunting. It is. It, it's a, the best part. All right. So this is my favorite part of the podcast. And this is where you have to participate. And I wasn't told about this part. Uh, well, see, if you listen to the Stronger <laughs> Business podcast, which I'm quite certain you have not done in months, maybe years. Um, I do listen. I listen. To every it. once in a while on the Stronger Business podcast, my dear, we do something called the Max Out Moment. It's the Stronger Business podcast, so you get stronger by maxing out. And the Max Out Moment is if you could leave one tip one piece of advice to our listeners. It could be a book to read. It could be something they go out and do this weekend. It could be a piece of advice to help them financially get stronger. Whatever you want to leave them with, just what is Lauren's one tip, one piece of advice if they don't remember anything else from this episode? What is your max out moment that you want to leave our listeners? I feel like you tell people this ahead of time and they have time to prepare, right? I usually do, but yeah. I want to put you on the spot. Yeah, you're really, <laughs> thanks a lot. I honestly felt like if I told you you had to do a max out moment, you'd probably back out coming because <laughs> you were already waffling not wanting to be here anyway. <laughs> My max out moment for short-term rentals and long-term rentals. Um, you know, I think... I don't know how many realtors listen to this podcast, but um, I think that is something that we learned is one is kind of it's kind of twofold. One is you don't have don't rely on a realtor. We found everything that we've we found all of our short term rental, long term rentals by ourselves, except for one. Um, And then because we know what we're looking for, we're looking for what fits into our numbers, what fits into our, we have certain parameters and that's something that you just need to don't, don't rely on someone else to do that for you. Like you need to go out and do it yourself. You got to put in the work and the due diligence. Yes. Yeah. And like knowing, well, and just knowing exactly what you're looking for and exactly what you want. And then number two on the second side of that is also 
find a realtor that you really like and trust and then and like our guy in Kiowa because he came to us and the villa wasn't even on the market yet but we had talked to him about specifically what we were looking for specifically what we wanted and so he called you and said hey i i got something and we're not they're not going to put it on the market and you need to make an offer on this one so i think it's don't just rely on a realtor but then also find one that you trust and that make friends with the realtors that's that's great advice and that has served us so well um we tried saying, hey, here's what we're looking for. We're going to sit back and wait on somebody to call us. And they just, that's not the way it works. No, everything they're, they sent us was not. Yeah, it just didn't fit what we wanted. Or they're busy too. They're they're working with other clients. And so we found out we have to put in the work and we have to find it. But once we find it, we always use a realtor. Oh, yeah, that for that, for the, yes. everything we do to, ha- to handle the offers, to oh, handle absolutely. the negotiations, to handle the contracts. And for but you us, can't rely on them you, to do the work. You cannot. Expect them that's to do the work exactly for you. right. That's great advice. And what's awesome about realtors you trust and that trust you, a majority of our properties we buy sight unseen. They go and they'll FaceTime and walk around or they'll go, we lost three houses because the sellers freaked out because we never saw the property or we never even had anybody go see it. Again, the numbers worked. We knew the area. We want it. And they're like, it just freaked them out. But when we started having realtors or our realtor go and like sign in for us and FaceTime with us on the property and stuff, we never had that issue again. And so having somebody boots on the ground where we don't have to drop work or we don't have to go run off to try to see something, or we don't have to say, oh, we can look at it in three weeks because you're probably going to lose the property lose if that's it. the case. That's great advice. That is a great max out moment for anybody that's looking at rental real estate and looking to get into this and do this. We love it. Highly encourage it. Couldn't recommend it enough. And just really think, you know, for everybody out there, it is an awesome way to have very little knowledge of anything to do with real estate, to learn really fast, put in some work and due diligence, and truly financially change your life. And so this has been the Stronger (laughs) Business Podcast with my lovely wife, Lauren Brown. Thank you for joining us today. This has definitely helped everybody get stronger. Go to strongerbusiness.com. Check us out on Instagram at Stronger Business. And go out this weekend. Look for some rental property. Get stronger. And we'll see you next week.